0: Good morning. Good morning. Uh, something's gotten into you cuz that was like you're talking a bunch. Like during that video all I heard were just people talking all over the room. I don't know what's going on. You must be excited. You Must be excited. Maybe it was the cheer wine. Maybe it was the sugar, the natural sugar from the glass bottled cheer wine carrying over from yesterday. Haven't crashed yet. It's coming this afternoon, all right? That's coming this afternoon. Glad you're here with us today. If I haven't met you, my name is John, and we are finishing up a study we've been doing for a while. We started it when school started last fall, and we're just finishing up now as as summer is beginning. Um, And we've taught all the way and studied all the way through the book of Romans. And so we're finishing the series up today, and I feel like I must be in just like a finishing mood because I tried to finish that last song early. I don't know if you noticed, if you caught that, but I thought the song was done, and then I saw the words for the bridge on the screen, and I was like, right, we got to do that. Right. Anyway, so we adjusted. It's fine. Uh, we've been studying through the book of Romans for some time now, and um, we are done with the good news. No, right? <laughs> Obviously not. No, no. We're just getting started with the good news. We're done with the series, and we're certainly not done with Romans. And I hope that our study through the book of Romans, even though we took, it's 29 weeks, is how many weeks weekends it took us, with groups meeting throughout the week as well, Took us 29 weeks to get through, but you still gotta understand that's longer than most series we would we would do typically. I think it's the longest one I've ever done. Um, but we were still flying through the book of Romans. That's, That's averaging like half a chapter a week. So we were digging in as much as we could, but there is so much more to find and study and clean out of the book of Romans. And so now, since we're not gonna be teaching through that in the series or talking about it necessarily in our groups, now it's on us individually to go and study and dig in more and get it and remember and refresh and bring it all back again. It's been a long time, so maybe we've forgotten. But if you want to, I I, I actually did the math. So if you want to go, maybe you haven't been here through the whole series, or maybe maybe your first time is today, or maybe you want to refresh or whatever, you can listen to all the messages from our series, and it will only take you 21 hours, 28 minutes, and 20 seconds. All right. If you watch from the beginning to the end of all of our YouTube videos, um, which sounds like a lot also, but it's really not. I mean, that's like a season and a half like, of your favorite show. So you, you binge watch that without batting an eyelash. So this would be a great thing to go back through. But the question that we're left with at the end of all of this time is, what do we do with this? Okay, We have knowledge, and we've learned, and we've talked about application, and we've we've worked through a lot of different things over the last months. But what is it actually going to change? How are you going to be different now than you were when we first started? And so here's what I want to do. We don't have 21 hours, 28 minutes, and 20 seconds today to go through all the content, but I want to go back through our entire series and give you one sentence per week one sentence overview per week of teaching that we've done so we get a big picture of what the book of Romans is all about all right so and i'm just going to say the number and then the sentence so you'll know what what week it was and then what the what the content was week 1 introduction <laughs> okay. there you go there you go welcome and in introduction all right here we go now we get into the into the into the content all right two the bad news is that everyone has sinned and is under god's wrath Three, we cannot be made right before him by being a good person. Four, we cannot be made right before him by being a religious person. Five, God is well within his rights to judge all people as sinners. Six, the good news is we can be justified before God by his grace through faith. Seven, if we put our trust in Jesus' death and resurrection, we are made right before God. There you go. Eight, having been justified, God wants to save us and deliver us from his wrath here and now against sin. Nine, we must stand in grace every day to fully experience the life that we've been given. 10, to do that, we must consider ourselves dead to sin. 11, because sin leads to the experience of death, not life, so I must chase after holiness. 12, if I try to do that by going back to law-based living, I will find only frustration. 13, freedom is found in learning to be spiritually minded and not worldly minded. 14, doing this will put us at odds with the world and will lead to suffering. 15, but we can trust that God is using everything, even pain and suffering to purify us and save us from the world. 16, the gospel is also for Israel. But justification isn't by birthright or by merit. It's by faith, even for them. 17, though Israel has rejected Christ nationally, many Jews have and will accept the gospel. 18, God is not done with Israel and will ultimately fulfill his promises to them. 19, he has grafted the Gentiles into Israel's spiritual tree And we are now one body together in Christ. 20. In response to the gospel, we are being transformed into the image of Christ. 21. We're learning how to live in love and peace with each other. 22. We're learning how to live in the light and be pure and holy. 23. We're learning how to be gracious in our different levels of spiritual maturity and journeys. 24, we're learning how to be confident in our own convictions and yet considerate in our actions. 25, so in unity, we can build each other up in the faith. 26, we will send the good news by sharing it with others. 27, we will show the good news in our generosity to each other. And 28, we will support the good news by encouraging each other. And that's it in a nutshell. That's as concise as I could get it. And the question is, knowing all of that, reading all of that, studying all of that, agreeing with all of that, amening all of that, <laughs> what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What is the commitment that we are going to make based on the fact that we know that God loved us so much that even though we were sinners, he sent his son to die for us and we could be his child by faith in Jesus and that he's given us the spirit to walk in the world and to deliver us from his wrath against sin even now and to be transformed into the glorious image of Jesus, what are we gonna do? What commitment are we we going to make? How is it gonna change us? I want you to think about the last few months. Well, whatever your experience with this study has been, with this book has been, and ask yourself first: How have I changed? Or have I changed? Am I different now than I was last fall? Do I look more like Jesus today than I did then? Really, practically, I mean, in every single day, in my my thoughts, and what I feel, and what I say, and my relationships, and my choices, and all this kind of stuff. Do I look more like Jesus right now than I did then? Has the gospel actually transformed me? What am I going to do with it? Where's Chad? Is Chad in the room? Okay, that's the third time your phone has fallen today. One time was your fault. Second time was my fault. Quite frankly, I bumped his thing. And I don't know whose fault that was. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> you got a good case? Okay, you got a good case. All right, all right. so we're, we're going to pick up right at the end of Romans, and this question is going to be put to task for us, okay? So let's um, go to Romans chapter 16. And last week, since we were doing the list of names that, people, that Paul was recognizing, we jumped around a little bit, so we kind of got to jump around what we jumped around last week. But um, we're going to be in chapter 16, verse 17, as he's capping things off and finishing up with his closing remarks to the Romans. All right, Romans chapter sixteen, verse seventeen. Now I urge you, brethren. Note those who cause divisions and offenses, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and avoid them. So he said, now these people are causing. He says he uses two words, divisions and offenses, and he doesn't use any words by accident. He says divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught, and what he's talking about is the teaching he has just made in this entire letter. Contrary to what I've said, if there are people that cause divisions or cause offenses, stay away from them. Now, these are people that would be on the two ends of the spectrum he has talked about over and over and over in the book of Romans. The person who causes division is the person who is positioning, who is judging. We talked about this over and over and over again. You might think that this is the legalistic believer, the one who wants to live based on the law again. And that causes divisions. It causes factioning. It causes disunity in the body of Christ, and that breaks Jesus' heart. And so he says, stay away from people who do that kind of stuff. And then he says, or they cause divisions, or they cause offenses. The word offenses here literally means traps, they cause traps. And so you think what we talked about in this series, the the believer who knows the freedom that they have in Christ and they flaunt it in front of other believers and cause them to go against their conscience. So this is a believer that says, well, I have freedom in Christ. I'm not held to the law anymore. I'm a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ and not by any works. And so I can do whatever I want. And you can't tell me I can't do whatever I want. And so I'm going to do whatever I want in front of you, regardless of what you think. And they cause other believers to betray their convictions. They cause a trap. And the term I used, I don't know if it's the best term, but you have legalism. And then this one also starts with an L, so I like that. Uh, Licentiousness, okay? And it's hard to say, and I don't want to say it a lot, but you have the believer who is legalistic, and you have the believer who is licentious. And he says, stay away from those people. Just steer clear of them. They're not good for you. That is contrary to what has been taught all the way through the book of Romans. See, the legalistic believer fails to honor unity in the body of Christ, And they tend to focus on other people's behavior more than they should. And the licentious believer fails to honor purity in the body of Christ. And they tend to focus too little on their own behavior. He said, stay away from those extremes. Stay away from those extremes. Take note of them and steer clear. Because they are only in it for themselves. Not for you. Uh, Verse 18. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple or the hearts of the innocent. All right, so he's saying, listen, the, the, the legalistic believer isn't worried about you. They, they're living, they are, the only reason they're doing this, they're living this way or judging you this way is because it makes them feel better about themselves. So if they can establish some sort of law, and they know that they're keeping that law, but you're not keeping that law, that makes them feel more holy or righteous. They're just serving themselves. Or the licentious believer is only doing what they're doing because they just want to do whatever they want. They don't want anybody judging them. They don't want anybody saying anything, and they want to just go about life however they want. And they're just doing it for themselves. It's not about you or for you. So he said, stay away from them. Steer clear. And. They can, I mean, even both of those groups of people can make very convincing arguments for why they believe what they believe or why they behave the way that they behave. They can pull Scripture, chapter, and verse. They can flood you with Scriptures about freedom or flood you with Scriptures about judgment. And, and they, can, they can make a, a, an airtight, uh, logical argument for some of these things as well. But just because someone uses a ton of Scripture or has a rational argument does not mean they speak on behalf of God. You can take the scripture and make it say whatever you want to make it say with the right, especially for those who are simple, as he says here, for newer believers or immature believers who don't know better, who don't know that that scripture was being taken out of context or don't know that there's a fallacy in that argument or whatever it may be. He said these people just stay away from these kinds of people. They will do you no good. We must know the good news really well, and this is part of why it's so important for us to study something like the book of Romans and to have a really firm grasp on the gospel is because we have to understand deception when it comes. We have to be able to, we have to create context. This is an old analogy, and forgive me if it's a little tired, but, and I don't even know if it's true, but, sorry, <laughs> I've heard, I've heard, and I, and I, I know the principle is true, That the way you teach someone to identify a fake dollar bill or, well, maybe not who makes fake dollar bills, a fake 20 or a fake 100 to counterfeit currency is to handle the real stuff over and over and over and over again so that when a fake one is put in your hands, you know it immediately. Have you ever come across a counterfeit bill? That actually is true, and I've noticed that. I'm like, ooh, this doesn't feel Right? Right? The more and more you absorb yourself in the gospel and good teaching on the gospel, the more you absorb yourself in the scripture versus other people's opinions, the more you're going to understand what is the truth and know a lie immediately when you say it and not be the gullible person who gets sucked into this legalistic side or this licentious side of things, but to understand what God really wants from you in your life and to know what you really want to give him in your life. That comes from spiritual discernment, handling the real thing over and over and over and over again. And hopefully this this series has helped, this study has helped you to begin doing that or continue doing that in your life. Paul has a lot of confidence in the Romans. He says, stay away from these people. But then verse 19, for your obedience has become known to all. He said, you guys are doing an awesome job with this. And he's trying to double down and reinforce it in them. He's doing an awesome job. Continue. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. He said, I want you to be wise in what is good. That word literally means educated, informed. I want you to know what is true. And then he said, I want you to be simple concerning evil. And that that word simple again means innocent. His goal is that we will understand what is true. We will understand that God gave his son for us and we are saved by grace and not by our works. But that in response to that, not out of obligation, But in response to that, our commitment personally would be to be simple concerning evil, meaning to be as pure and innocent as we can possibly be. For for me to look as much like Jesus as I can look like Jesus, and for you to look as much like Jesus as you can look like Jesus. And that is a lifelong process of growth and maturity. what is my response to the gospel? The biggest response, of course, is to give our life over, is to to accept, sorry, to accept salvation through Jesus Christ. The first response is to put our trust in Jesus Christ for salvation and to stop trusting in ourselves, something we can't do. So that's my first question to you. In response to the gospel, have you trusted Jesus Christ for salvation? Believe that he died On the cross to pay for your sin, and he rose again on the third day to give you life. And if you believe that and trust in him, if you haven't, do it today. There's no amount of preparation you have to do. You don't have to get ready. You don't have to get things straightened out. You don't have to figure things out in your life. All you have to do is believe that Jesus died for you, that you're incapable of saving yourself, but Jesus died on the cross for you, and accept him by faith. Trust him to save you, and he will. And so you can make that decision today. I would venture a guess. Most of you in this room have made that decision before. And so our response is different. Our response is, knowing that I've been justified by faith, how much like Jesus can I possibly look? How much can he change me? And I'm not, I mean, yes, there's progressive, there's incremental change in our life, but I'm talking about today, looking in the face of the gospel and saying, I want to be as much like Jesus tomorrow as I can possibly be. So there are 10 decisions I need to make today in order for that to happen. I was thinking about this um, this week. I'm working on a project at the house, um, uh, cabinets. We're we're doing like a cabinet thing. And I love woodworking. And so I, I... some of you know me, you know that. Um, it's a hobby. It's something tangible I can do with my hands. You know, ministry can be very intangible. Uh, you don't always get to see, like, a finished product because none of us are finished products. But, uh, you know, when I build a cabinet, I can look back and say, there it is, and I did that, and that feels good, right? So I, I do, love doing a lot of woodworking. Any of you that are in woodworking, you'll certainly be able to relate to this. But I was thinking about the process of making one piece of uh, piece of furniture. So I'm working on cabinets. I was thinking about the drawer fronts. Okay. Now, I'm going to cheat um, a little bit. But if you're like a real woodworker, you start with a raw piece of wood. Okay, a raw piece of wood came from the sawmill. Probably might have a live edge along, you know, like the bark along the side. It might, you know, it's not going to be quite straight. It probably has rough saw marks on it. It's a rough piece of wood, odd shaped. You start with that. And that's kind of how we all start off in our, our walk with, uh, with Jesus. And the first thing you need to do is you need to get it down to rough shape. And to get it down to rough shape, you got to hog off a bunch of material. So you're running it through a bandsaw or, or a table saw or something to try and get it down to roughly the shape it's going to be when the drawer front is finally done. And that's the first thing that God needs to do in our life. When we first put our faith in him, there's some material he's just got to hog off. He's just got a big, massive changes, things that have happened in our life where we look nothing like Jesus, and it might be decisions that um, decisions we've been making uh, about where our trust is put. And I'm I'm saying in, along the lines of like an addiction. You know, like I've I, I'm addicted to this chemical. I'm addicted to this pill. I'm addicted to this drink. I'm addicted to this thing, and I can't. I can't serve that and Jesus, and so that has to go. And whatever it takes for that to go, that needs to go. And so you start the process of getting rid of that addiction. Or it's decisions that we've been making in relationships, whether that's sexual sin or the kinds of people that we're in relationships that are influencing us or whatever it is. And we're like, okay, we just got to get rid of some of this material, and I got to make a decision to say, I want to be like Jesus, so I can't do this thing anymore, or I can't be around these people anymore. And so we have to just get rid of some of that material to get it down to rough shape. Some of you may be brand new believers, and that's what you're the process of doing. And I'm telling you, cut that stuff off, because you will never look like Jesus as long as it's there. And so we need to cut that stuff off in our life. And you cut it down to, you get that board, and you get it cut down to to rough shape. Now, the next problem that you have is that this thing is not square. And so you got to make some flat edges. you got to make some flat edges and create some square corners. And so you run it over a a jointer and use a planer and the table saw and other tools to get that thing to where it is starting to look like a board. And this is where we're getting in our life, where our life is starting to look something like Jesus. We're starting to get some square edges. We're starting to put some habits and practices in place that are going to make us look more and more like him. And we're starting to make decisions about the kind of lifestyle that we want to live and the kind of people that we want to be. We start making the decision that I want my, my life to take on the shape of Jesus. And so here are the things that need to change. Here are the things that need to go. Here are the things that I need to add. All moving towards becoming this final finished piece that's going to go on this cabinet. And after we start making these kind of mid-sized decisions, there's shaping that needs to happen. So that's taking that board down to final width and final length and final thickness. Maybe it's adding an edge profile around the outside to give it some decoration. And this is where we're getting to the point in our life where our life is really starting to look. This is where the board starts looking like a drawer front, okay? So people look at the board and they say, wow, that person is really different and like, you know, really good and kind and all those things. This is where we're doing the things in our life that are making us look like Jesus himself. And people look at us, and this is, again, this is up from, happening a lot from the outside. The people are looking from the outside, and they're saying, that person looks like Jesus. In the way that we are gracious and character is changing, the way that we're gracious and the way that we're kind. In the way that we serve people. In the way that we, we present ourselves to the world and how we behave with other people. The choices that we make. Say, I'm going to make the choices that Jesus makes. And we're getting that thing down to shape. And now you look at it and you say, that's a drawer front. I know what that is. That's, that looks like Jesus. That person looks like Jesus. And I want to just I throw this out to you because I'm asking myself the same question. I've been asking it a lot this week. When people look at you, is that what they see? Do they look at you and say, that person is different? And if somebody says, or if you were to say to them, I'm a Christian, would they say, that makes sense? That's what it is. Because you look like Jesus. Or would they just say you look like a good person? Would they say you look like everybody else? I would hate it if that were the I mean, I don't want that to be the case. I hope you don't want that to be the case. People look at you and say, that's a drawer front. I know what that is. I know who that is. But even when you get the thing shaped, you're not done. Even when everything looks like it's in place, you're not done. Even when it looks like a drawer front, it's not done. Because then you have to do what every woodworker hates to do. Sand. (laughs) There's not a woodworker in the world that likes to sand. But here's the problem. If you don't sand... The finished product will not be right. You'll put in all of that effort and all of that work, and when you're done and you finally go to put finish on, whatever you're going to use, that you put that finish on the drawer front, there's going to be scratches, there's going to be imperfections, there's going to be all kinds of things that you didn't see with the naked eye but were there all along. This is where character and integrity, where, where our desire not just to look like Jesus but to be like Jesus, Here, when nobody sees, when nobody's watching, when nobody's looking, when we're making a minute decision about how to spend our day, this is where sanding happens. And you got to work through the grits you got to start with a coarse grit and then get finer and, finer and finer and finer and finer. And you have to go through that whole process. You can't just start with a coarse grit and then jump to the fine grit. And when you get to the end, you're going to see scratches that you missed. You've got to work through that process, a lifelong process of changing and molding and growing. And that is a day-by-day, minute-by-minute process of transformation. I was thinking about that. I'm sure I still have shaping to do, but I like to think, I hope that I'm in the sanding process after 35 years of being a follower of Jesus. And I had some moments this week and I, and I really just, in light of losing Mark Hayes last week and we had the funeral and everything this week and that was really, that really affected me. I had, everybody's had a hard time with it, but I had a, uh, personally a harder time with this than most other things. And I was spending a lot of time reflecting And realizing, without this sounding cliche at all, like I do not know how much time I have left. Why would I wait six months to look like Jesus or two years to look like Jesus or five years to look like Jesus or 10 years to look like Jesus when I don't know if I have that much time? And I want to look like him when I get there. That's all he's got to do is put that finish on. And so I've been going through, like, micro in my life this week and looking for the little things, the little things that I have just let go. Like, I feel like most of the big things are handled, but there's all the – I was sitting, in, um, was sitting and watching a show, one of my favorite shows. I'm in season six. Got a lot invested in this show. And uh, I was watching the show, and I really like it. It's a great show. It's really well acted, really well directed, really well written, everything awesome about it. And I was sitting and watching the show and I don't remember what the scene was, but I just all of a sudden had this vision, this idea. I'm sitting in my chair and I thought, what if Jesus was sitting on the couch? How would he feel about what I'm watching? And it wasn't good. Now, it's easy for me to go through my life and be like, well, I like the show. <laughs> you know, it's not that bad. I've, there's, there's a lot of worse things out there. But when I visualize, and I, I literally visualized him sitting there, which was a little weird, but I visualized him sitting there, and I thought, what if he was watching this with me? Would he feel the same way about this that I do? Would Jesus watch this show? And not in a a judgmental, not in a condemning, not in in that kind of way. But do I care more about this show than I do about him? Because if I don't think that he would want me watching this show and I continue watching this show, that's what I'm saying. That I care more about this entertainment, with these actors pretending to do things, than I do about pleasing him. That's not right. That's like some coarse grit stuff. We got to like, we got to take out some scratches here. I know for some people that may sound silly or that may sound minute, but that's what we're talking about. Saying, what is it? God, what is it in my life? Where are the scratches? Where does the shaping need to happen? Where am I missing it? Where am I looking at sin in my life? And I'm saying, eh. It'll be fine. I'm forgiven. It'll be over in three months, four months, five months, six months. I'll get it together eventually. Am I committed to the gospel? Not out of obligation, not because I have to, not because I'm afraid of judgment or punishment or something like that, but because in the depth of my heart, I am thankful for what he's done for me. And I'm looking forward to who I'm going to be. And I want to get there as fast. I don't want to get there as fast as possible, but I want to get there as fast as possible. And so am I just glossing over things? Or are there major things that I'm totally missing? I have to trust the spirit to lead me. And you need to trust the spirit as he leads you. Are you a good news person? We got the shirts made. I love them. It's my favorite shirts we've ever done. I'm a good news person. Some of you are wearing them. I see them in the room. I'm a good news person. That's not just about being justified before God and knowing that we're his child and we're going to be with him forever, which is amazing. But that's saying, I am going to live and walk in the gospel in every way I can. And I'm not going to make excuses, and I'm not going to shrug things off. I'm not going to kick the can down the road. There's no reason, there's no reason that I can't say tomorrow I am going to try to look exactly like Jesus in every way. And I'll fail, and there will be grace for me. And then I'll wake up on Tuesday, and I'll say, I want to be exactly like Jesus in every single way today in the decisions that I make, the conversations that I have, in my behavior, all of the things. And just know that every time we fail, there's grace, but the intention is the same every day. To walk in, stand in, rely on the good news and to be a good news person. It is being made right before God, but it's also being made righter in the world. And Paul finishes... The book of Romans. And some people say that this this portion is actually supposed to be at the end of chapter 14. Maybe. Maybe not. Doesn't change the meaning of the verses. Or anywhere that it is. But in the New King James we finish. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. According to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest. And by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith, to God, alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. He said, this gospel is able to establish you, build you on a firm foundation of faith. It's been a mystery. It was unknown, though it was in the prophetic writings. But God has now made it known in Jesus Christ that salvation is by faith. And that deliverance here is by walking in the spirit. This is God's decision according to his commandment. And we need to be obedient to it. And as we're obedient to it, may all honor and glory go to him through our lives. May God get all of the glory for everything that has come out of our study over the last months. For those who've accepted Christ as their savior. For those who've chosen purity and holiness. For those who've chosen to serve one another in love and faith for those who've chosen to be gracious with one another, all through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. And that is good news. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your love. Thank you for inspiring and leading Paul to dictate this book, this letter to the Romans so that we would have such a beautiful and clear picture of what the good news is. To know that we have become your children, not by our effort, not by being good, not by being religious, not by being as right as we can possibly be, but by faith in Jesus Christ, you extend your grace to us. And so we reaffirm right now in this moment, our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, our savior. He is the way, the truth and the life and no man comes to the father except through him. And so I pray today, if there's someone with us who has never put their faith in Christ for salvation, they've been trusting in themselves or they've been trusting in somebody else's faith or they've been trusting in something, that today they would realize now is the time to make the decision to accept this good news. Now is the time to stop trusting in themselves, but to believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sin, that he rose again on the third day, and that the offer he has made to us, the only way is to have life, eternal life, by putting our faith and trust in him. I pray that they make that decision today to trust you. And then, Lord, for all of us as we walk in this life and we decide personally, we decide how much like Jesus we really want to be. I thank you that you will help us in every way through the power and leadership of the Spirit, to be transformed into the image of Christ, if that's our heart's desire. To make God, in many cases, what feel like us to us to be tremendously sacrificial decisions. To give up things that we enjoy. To set aside relationships that have been around for a long time. to do different things with our money and to do different things with our time, to do different things with our careers and our education, to prioritize the things that you said were most important, to give ourselves fully over to the process of transformation and say, I want you to change me, not just, not just, taking off the edges or I want you to change who I am from the inside out so that my life looks like Jesus not because I have to God not because you're going to punish me but because I love you so much And I am so thankful. And I know that this is my eternity. That from here and into eternity, that's what it's gonna be. And so I wanna begin now being who you will make me fully one day. So that when we come to meet you face to face, all you gotta do is put on that final coat of finish. And so, God, I pray for strength for us. Resolve that you would give us boldness to go about this in the right way as we give our lives fully over to you. And to know that everything good that happens in our life, every progress that is made, every change that happens, it's all in your strength and your guidance that it is through you. And so we offer all of this to you today, God, the decisions that have been made today, the decisions that have been made over the last months as we've been studying the book of Romans. And we just want to thank you, God, together for what you're doing, how you're changing us and how you're using us. And we pray that all that we do and all that we think and all that we change and all that we say would bring you the honor and the glory that you rightfully deserve. We love you, God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and with all of our strength.